This episode is brought to you by DNA Fit, providers of state-of-the-art genetic testing. Their services build a roadmap for your individualized health, fitness, and lifestyle goals by testing the genetic markers that make you unique. As a podcast listener, you get 30% off by going to dnafit.com and using the code PRIMALBLUEPRINT at checkout. Also brought to you by Primal Mayo. Made with pure avocado oil, organic cage-free eggs, rosemary extract, vinegar derived from non-GMO beets, and a dash of salt, you can turn any traditional dish into a superfood with just one serving. Healthy mayo? Who knew? Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, featuring fresh and lively commentary on all things primal, including Q&A sessions with Primal Blueprint founder Mark Sisson, special guest interviews hosted by Mark Sisson, and conversations with Primal Blueprint authors and other health and fitness experts. The show is presented by Damage Control, Master Formula, the world's most potent multivitamin, mineral, antioxidant, anti-aging supplement, available at primalblueprint.com. Past episodes are available for download or to review written summaries at blog.primalblueprint.com. And now, here's your host, Brad Kearns. Mark Sisson here in the Malibu studios of the Primal Blueprint podcast with special guest today, Laird Hamilton. Uh, I'm sure everyone listening knows who Laird is. Um, pretty much best known for uh, being the big wave surfer, seeking out the biggest, baddest, heaviest waves possible. Fit guy, uh, writing for magazines and doing all kinds of uh, innovative stuff in the world of fitness in general and health and and anything to do with that. I guess the the main tag that uh, we like to apply to Laird is Waterman, but uh, I see Laird a lot in Malibu and um, at a restaurant in particular called Coogie's, and every time I see him, he's got something new going on, so uh, I want to talk about that. But anyway, welcome, Laird. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, great to have you on the show today, and um, I'm, I'm, I'm laughing here because uh, here we are using the technology available to us in Skype to have this conversation. I can literally turn around and see your house from here. Yeah. If you see any smoke coming out of here, run over here quick. Please. Yeah. Okay. Um, and likewise, because we do live in Malibu and it's um, fire danger stuff here. But um, I know you got a big pool and um, yeah. we, we got a pool here. So um, I want to talk about a bunch of stuff today. So let's start with what's what's new? What's going on with you right now? What's the what's the latest? I mean, you know, people know you as as the businessman as the family man, the husband, the father, uh, the water man, I know you as the busiest guy in Malibu. So what's going on? <laughs> well, you know, uh, what do we say? Get a lot of irons in the fire and maybe one of them will get hot. But, you know, I mean, in the, in the, uh, um, this, this winter, actually we had a great season in Hawaii, but this winter I went through a, a whole, uh, a whole Ralphing, um, sequence. I'd never done that before. That was pretty intense. I went through the, the 10 sequence of Ralphing and I didn't know what I was getting myself in for kind of an unwinding of my body, but I was fortunate at the, at the, at that time to be going through uh, a program online that I was doing called Wim Hof. Mm, sure. And uh, he, he's known as the Iceman, but he had an online program that I was doing. And I, and it was just a coincidence that I was doing both at the same time, which 
it ended up having some kind of positive effects because I was doing this whole breathing, these breathing drills that he that he kind of trains you to and and combining that with Ralphing kind of ended up kind of allowing me not to get totally unraveled by the uh, the lady's elbow. Mm-hmm. But uh, but but that kind of you know it brought up uh, it, it kind of brought up this whole thing around breathing in general and just how kind of I mean little value that we give it sometimes. I think it's something that we kind of just we, we take for granted. Yeah. We just do it and we do it. You know, I, I was telling somebody the other day, you know, how we do, we breathe in a way to catch up with the work that we're doing. You know, like mm-hmm. you go for a run and you don't start breathing heavy first and then run you first, you start running. And then when you need the oxygen, then you start breathe, breathing, but by then you're already kind of behind the ball. Yeah. And you, so then you're playing catch up the whole time where you're trying to just get the oxygen you need because you're burning it faster than you can get it. And so I, I kind of took some of his stuff and I've been implementing some of these kind of breathing concepts into training where you're breathing first and getting yourself in this rhythm and then go into the workout. And it's amazing what that does. It's amazing how that affects your whole, your, your, uh, your endurance, your metabolism, the whole thing. And it, and it really has a, has a positive effect on, you know, what your capacity is and, and, and then how you're, uh, how you're affected. But I think, you know, like I said, I think we give, I mean, you know, obviously there's, there's, you know, prana and other kinds of breathing yogas that are dedicated just to breathing. But when you start implementing breathing into into you know athletics or into the physical part it's amazing what that what that does and how important uh that is for us i think we just our metabolism the whole oxygenation of the cells and how everything our whole you know system works on oxygen and that's the only thing that we're really getting when we're not uh you know when we're not drinking water or eating food so you have um identified this as uh you know typically we we breathe not in anticipation of what we're doing but as a result of the effort that we've already put out, are you seeing results in say your, your deep, your pool training, for instance? Well, I am, I, you know, I'm finding that if you, if you, if you start to breathe first and get yourself breathing, that you actually kind of get, you're almost ahead of the oxygen consumption. You're ahead of it and you can actually kind of stay ahead of it, which, which leads to like more endurance ultimately and, and, and more output, more workload. So you can, can start to I mean you, if you watch Wim's Wim's work you'll see uh he's controlling like lactic acid buildup through breathing just oxygenation and all of a sudden you can control control the lactic acid it's pretty but uh, you know I mean I think that I just love innovation in general whether it's through you know whether it's in nutrition or fitness or in sports or relationship however it is being innovative I think is something that you know that that keeps us inspired right and i mean you obviously you know that it's all about innovation in a way and, and but innovation really is sometimes just reenacting an old thing that's been lost yeah no I, and that talk about 5000 year old technology the the whole breathing thing so let's talk a little bit about your 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 fitness philosophy i mean you're 36 37 how old are you now no Nice, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but but what what would you say is your overriding fitness philosophy here uh, these days? You know, I mean, you know, the one I tell Wildman that he always loves is, you know, a hot fire burns any kind of wood. You know, and uh, we talk about you know just doing the amount of you know when you do a certain volume of work, you can get away with a lot of 
a, a lot of... Uh, you can eat whatever you want, right, basically? Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Well, you yeah. can. I mean, he'll be proof of that. I mean, I still believe that a calorie is not a calorie, yeah. and there's different kinds of calories. But the fact is, is that there's something to be said about that. I, I think, you know, one of my fitness philosophies recently is smarter, not harder. Mm-hmm. You know, that because I, I, I normally approach things with just grinding away at them and just keep grinding away and grinding away. And, I, and, and at a certain point, that becomes undermining. When you've been doing this long enough, you start to realize, well... Is that the most productive thing I can do today? You know, what's the smarter way to go about it? And, uh, you know, and, and, and how, what, what, how am I going to benefit? So, you know, but, um, you know, I, I think smarter, not harder. And, and it's all about the consistency, right? It's, it's about that consistent, you know, that, that really the, my fitness philosophy is that there's a holistic approach to it that don't think that the night of sleep is not going to affect it. Mm-hmm. Don't think that a relationship, good or bad, is not going to affect it. Don't think that the food's not going to affect it. Don't think that all of these things are not going to affect your fitness. I go, they're all feeding into it. And if you are lacking in any one of those spokes on that wheel, then then you're not getting the maximum out of your tire. That's what I, I mean. That's what I think. Right. So you and I get to the point where um, we're old enough now that we've been doing this for a while. And I don't compete. I know you compete against yourself and, you know, you like that competition on the, on the bike up the, up the yeah. steep pitch or whatever. But what motivates you every day to go out and do it fairly hard? In other words, you know, it would be easy for us to cruise, to sit back and go, you know what, we've done a lot and it doesn't take that much to maintain 80% of what we used to have. How do you find the, the motivation to, to not just, you know, go efficiently and work smarter uh, and sometimes harder, but to to be able to uh, experiment in in new arenas, wh- where does that come from? You know, I, I mean, I, I obviously one one of the one of the greatest aspects of it is the feeling. You know, obviously how it makes you feel, right? So that there's, so there's a certain you just feel you you just you're, you you just feel better, you know, in your life, right? So all of a sudden your sleep's better. You have better emotions with your children when they're you know knocking stuff down. You know, you're a better relationship, better friendships. And then better performance. And so at the end, the result of that consistent work and that and that effort and and the, the rewards are that all of you benefit in all these different ways. Now, the only way to sustain it is to keep it new and interesting, because if you if you told me every day I was going to do 100 push ups, I'm going to do, you know, 50 pull ups, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do this. Uh, and it was the same routine. You'd kill me. I I'd die. It's like right. I tell people, I go, listen. I hate swimming. Like I, if you said go swim laps in a pool, you might as well just take me out in the backyard and shoot me because that this that's like punishment. So, but if I can create a new technique or do something that that makes it interesting, then I'm going to do it. Then you're going to you got me because part of it is that learning part, mm-hmm. right? It's that learning aspect that makes it interesting. So if you go in and you go, hey, I'm good at this. Well, first of all, the result of being really good at something is you get less from it. So then you have to do it more. So that's a that's a downward spiral because then pretty soon you get good enough at it. You got to go ride for five hours on your bike up a hill mm-hmm. because one hour the, when you used to do it for one hour when you first started, you get a lot out of it. Now it's five hours and pretty soon it's an undermining process and then you're bored with it and and, and then you lose your whole enthusiasm and, it, and you lose your drive. So how do I make it interesting? Okay, I slap some weights on it. Then I try to ride you know, with one tire and then maybe I'm riding backwards and I'm riding with a blindfold, and, you know, I'm, I, and, and so that variety, um, the reinvention of it, you know, mm-hmm. I would, the reinvention of these things 
make it interesting. It makes it something that I'm that I'm inspired to do. I'm like, okay, I'm not good at this. I think this can work. Let's try this. And and so the results of the rewards are that you can accomplish some stuff that makes you feel rewarded. You don't have to beat the next guy and have your trophy. You can be like, wow, I didn't think I could do that. I can do that. Wow. So that means I can do this. And so it, it just it, it keeps kind of expanding on itself. Mm-hmm. But I think that variety, keeping it, you know, changing it up and creating new and then and then having camaraderie too, having um, you know, misery loves company, but so does training, right? So yeah. does having that, you know, being able to have a couple buddies, maybe in the morning, you don't feel like going, you're like, okay, I'm not into it today. Your buddy walks in and says, okay, you ready to go? And you're kind of like, well, no, I'm not, but you're here. I will go. Right. And so I think that, you know, it's the camaraderie, having some guys to do it with, but, but really it's about the innovation of constantly changing it, trying to figure out new ways to do it, combine things, just make it, you know, and I, and I feel like that philosophy really, I can implement that into the sport itself. I can implement that into the training and I can implement that into nutrition, even, even like, okay, just eating the same thing over your body saturated. Let's throw a variation. Let's get some weird new thing we haven't had. Let's not, let's not eat any of that for a month and eat something else. And just whatever that is to keep your body kind of being hacked, or if you want to call it that, sure, or just sure. keep, it, keep it challenged. So when you um, come up with a new variation of an old theme um, and you add weight to it or you add a, a, add a tire, take a tire away, whatever you talk about, and you find out that you can do that, are you still in that mindset of, well, I got to quantify this somehow because the first time I did it, I did it, but I sucked and I want to get better at it. And so, you know, you, you, do, you, do you still repeat that workout every once in a while and keep, like, do you keep a log or do you keep a... If you're going to throw on uh, a a 20 pound weight vest and ride a fat tire bike, uh, you know, from PCH to your house, do you, do you subconsciously know what the time is every time you do it? I'm not, I'm not that, I'm not that uh, logistical that way. I'm not like going to be, because I feel like at at the end of the day, I think sometimes that could be a deterrent from the creative part of it. And I don't want to stop. I mean, I know what I've done at a certain point. So, and part of it's that part of it's accomplishing the thing and then going, okay, that was good. But, you know, sometimes you realize that, you know, you can, you can do the same amount of effort without maybe the amount of same amount of damage. So yeah, yeah. I can put 50 pounds on a bike and ride up a hill, but you know, that really ground on my lower back and I, and I did it yeah. and I did that amount of time, but do I need to go? Yeah. Once was enough. I'm like, no, I made my back sore. Yeah. Let me see if I can do something else that that's equally as tough without the same negative, you know, side effects. Right. So, so for me, it's, I mean, I have them in my mind. I'd like to say I don't, but a lot of that stuff, you just file it away and it's in there, yep. but I'm not like, I'm not keeping logs and, and, and any of that. I mean, it's, 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 that's just not my, my approach. Right. Do you wear a heart monitor ever? No. Okay. Have you ever worn one? Nah, I've, yeah, I've done a few heart monitor testing. I had some weird thing going with my heart. Um, which is some theory that I had, which, you know, people talk about, you know, this ability to bonk. And I, and I said, listen, if you bonked in nature, when you're running away from some animal, mm-hmm. that would be a liability. You'd die. Yeah. So really I found that I'm almost incapable of bonking. Like my heart rate will get up to a buck 70, buck 80, and it'll drop and come up and drop and come up and drop and mm-hmm. come up. Watched it happen a couple different times when I was trying to get myself. And I don't know if I, consciously won't allow my body to just keep going at an effort that's going to make me throw up or not. But, it, but I felt like, so, um, but I've done a little bit, a, a little bit of that, but sometimes I, 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 I watch people in those, 
you know, super like, okay, measure my body fat every morning, mark that down, take my heart rate. And for me, I go, well, that's a lot of effort and a lot of time that you could be doing something else like stretching or whatever else it is. And, and is, is that gonna really, I mean, I just go like how I, I feel, like, how am I feeling? How does that work? How is my endurance? If I can, you know, if I have some, I do have some, uh, you know, some things I can measure, like the breath holding stuff where you can, where you can use a clock and you'll, you'll know your times. You know, I, I do use a heart monitor um, when I'm dealing with the oxygenation thing, because I've been doing some altitude mass training. And so I have one of those uh, mm-hmm. heart, heart and oxygen blood level mm-hmm. thing that, what is that called? The isometer or whatever it is, where it just tells you how much oxygen you have in your blood and it tells you what your heart rate is. Right. So, yeah. I, I mean, I use, I use one for that, but that's specifically for doing like a breath training drill, but heart monitors and, and cardio activity. I go for me, I go, nah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's, I, I, I love that because it's really, I'm about finding as much fun as I can in my workouts now. And, uh, thank you for popularizing the stand up paddleboard. Cause that's where I have a lot of fun these days. Yeah. I was about a mile and a half off the yeah. coast the other day and saw a whale. So that was like within 50 feet. That was pretty spectacular. Yeah, but when you stand up, you don't count. You don't go, okay, oh, No, you can What you count is, oh, I only have 20 minutes left before yeah. I have to stop, you know? A huge difference in, huge in, difference. Yeah, in doing whole that. Whole different mentality. Whole different mentality when you put fun into activities. And that's another thing about trying to reinvent the wheel where you try to, let's figure out how to make it a fun thing to do instead of something that's not fun. Because if it's not fun, you know, nothing worse than just looking at the clock and going, oh, I have another five minutes. I mean, that five minutes turns into an hour. Right. So is is a lot of your theory and ideas about your training still contemplated for that one wipeout where you're in a life-threatening situation? Well, I'm, you know, I, I used to have a saying, don't practice for what you don't want to have happen. Mm. So, you know, it, don't, don't, don't be a self-fulfilling prophecy and, and, and do all this preparation for a wreck that you don't want to have happen, but at the same time, let's be prepared. So there is a side of it where you don't want to necessarily train for this negative with negativity, with this failure in mind, but at the same time, you want to, you want to be prepared. And so a lot of the things I've been doing in the pool lately really are at becoming a stronger swimmer. Mm -hmm. So you never have to find out how long you can hold your breath because you're never going to, you're not going to be under that long because you're going to be able to get to the surface quicker kind of thing. So it's a little bit of a little bit of a, uh, you know, a switch in mentality where instead of like, Hey, I can hold my breath this long because the problem with most of the breath holding techniques for big wave riding is, is that you don't have the luxury to, to be calm. Right. And most of breath holding is based on lowering your heart rate, getting yourself in a very oxygenated environment and then and then holding with very little movement. This is like run from the giant Doberman pincher, you know, right when you get to the fence, hold your breath. And it's, you know, and then, so so we so some of the stuff we're doing is based on that. But the pool work that we do has really had an incredible effect on our ability to move through the water mm. and get to the surface sooner, which you know, is really is where all the air is anyway. So better not to practice for, you know, being down under too long where you don't want to be anyway. Right. So learn how to get out of there. But at the same time, you're going to automatically get the, the benefits of that by that you're going to have better oxygen retention, you know, and you're going to be able to use less oxygen if you're more efficient. Right. So at being as soon as the organism becomes more efficient, then all of a sudden you're going to have an expanded ability to hold your breath longer. You're going to be able to work harder with lower heart rate. I mean, there's all those benefits. So 
uh, I think it just goes back to that. But then you're going to you're going to be rewarded on the bicycle. You're going to be rewarded on the stand up paddle. You're going to be re- rewarded everywhere if you look at it, you know, uh, in that way. Because I always say, you know, if you've been surfing for, I, I mean, I, I have 30,000, 40,000 hours, however many there are that I've been doing it, 50, whatever. But if you another hour surfing isn't going to benefit me like you know, becoming more flexible or getting a little stronger. Those things are going to benefit me more in my surfing than another hour on the 50,000. If that's not going to benefit you, that's going to be, you know, that that's, that's, you already know how to do that. Yeah. 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 And you're not going to do it. And another hour is going to make you do it that much better. Like you being a a stronger or a more flexible organism is how I always describe it. Sure. You know, sure. Speaking of stronger, more flexible organism. So let's go back to the rolfing experience. What was that? What was that like? Heavy. Heavy, 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 uh, a lot of, a a lot of breathing to get through it. A lot of, you know, it was, I mean, there's a technique to that that really benefit, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, that old saying, no pain, no gain. It's, it's, it's real. And the more pain you can endure, they don't like to call it pain, but it's painful. And, And at the end, but the more you can endure that, the, 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 the greater the, the benefits are, you know, I've had intense body work. I don't usually get body work that's not intense because it's a waste of time um but but it was you know i had never you know i had thought i had done ralphing but when i get you know when you got gloves with getting fingers shoved in your mouth and up your nose and you know you're doing all this stuff and then you get through the 10 cycle and you think oh yeah cool it's going to get better it doesn't get better it just gets worse in a different way and you know once the tissue relaxes and they can go down to the deeper tissue then it just it just doesn't end but um, but the results were, were incredible and, and it was inspiring, but, you know, again, all it really seemed to do is confirm what I've been, you know, what I always say, which is no, you know, the more you can endure, the more you're going to benefit from it. Right, right. Right. So there's a fair amount of trust that goes into that. Um, there is. because you are allowing somebody to, to seriously, I mean, almost damage the fascia and, and yeah. the tissue with the, with the understanding that it's going to be re- releasing and, and, and. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so, but it manifests itself today in what you're more flexible, you're stronger, uh, you're more aligned. Well, what are the, just the movements, just the movements in general, just the, the way my shoulders are moving, the way my neck's moving, the spine. I mean, I, I'm just not having, I have a little more freedom in the, in the, in the movement, uh, in general. And, and, you know, I mean, I, the trust that you have when somebody works on you that intensely comes from also from having experienced other aspects of massage where you've been ground on and you've seen the results. I mean, a big part of it is, is what you do after. So, you know, you get worked on, but you don't just go home and sit around on the couch and then wonder why you hurt for a week. You, you do the icing, you do the heat, you drink plenty of fluids, you know, you do some light cardio stuff, but you learn how to, you know, and the, and the, and when the tissue has been used to that kind of damage, uh, it, you get good at it. Like the tissue is pretty responsive to the recovery process because you've been doing it. You do it on a regular basis. And, uh, and so the, I, I was actually able to kind of condense that time that it would take a longer period of time because normally it takes people, you know, a lot longer to recover. And, and, you know, and obviously that's one of the things that, that water does and the pool does is the compression on your body allows that blood to flow through your lymphatic system uh, in, in, in a lot faster. And so you, you know, you, 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 in a way you can totally eliminate that soreness that would be a week or, you know, a week long or right. five days or six days and all of a sudden two, three days, or you might not even get sore if you really did the, the staging correctly. Hi, it's Brad Kearns to tell you about our podcast partner, dnafit.com. They offer cutting edge personal genetic testing 
which you can sign up for, deliver a swab through the mail, and you will receive over the email a detailed printout and description of all the genetic particulars relating to your dietary and fitness recommendations and inclinations based on your genetic makeup. It's very valuable information. I found some incredibly revealing details in my report, for example, that I was uh, more oriented toward power and strength rather than endurance, which was my lifelong background. So this type of information with a plenty of support and scientific validation will help you optimize your diet and exercise patterns. Check out dnafit.com and take advantage of their 30% discount on their comprehensive package just for listening to the podcast. Enter the code PRIMALBLUEPRINT at dnafit.com. Now, you keep your pool at home uh, unheated? Yeah. yeah. I mean, but I have, a, I have pipes that run through the deck. So I have a, um, a system of pipes that run, run through the cement patio that's around the deck that heats from the sun. Mm-hmm. So the thing's heated from the heat of the, of the sun, but, um, but it's, it's still got a decent little chill though, but I have a giant ice tub with an ice machine. So we make up for the fact that, you know, it's yeah. not cold enough. No, that's one of the things that I've, uh, I've discovered in the last year and a half, uh, particularly the winter time, you know, I'm even in Malibu, you know, the water gets down to 52, 53 degrees. Yeah. And, um, at the end of the day, one of my favorite things to do is just walk into that cold water and hang out for a couple of minutes. And then yeah. and then finish off in the jacuzzi and kind of yeah. alternate a little bit. But I sleep like a baby. I I, I become a huge fan of that of that uh, sure. alternating heat and cold. Well, that heat that heat that thermal regulation that stuff that you know I mean that's the whole whim whim you know yeah. the ice and that's his whole philosophy. But that's you know that's some effective stuff that I think he's he's the diseases that we have are the result of us being in these perfectly incubated environments. And if you think about staff, you know, like where it grows in the tropics. I mean, you think about this perfect Petri dish. I mean, we become a perfect Petri dish for an environment for stuff to just sort of live because we're, you know, when we're cold, we put the heat on, when we're hot, we put the air conditioning on. We're in this perfect, you know, and I use your eye as the same thing. You know, you think about your eye and everybody wears sunglasses and then they go and they have these eye issues. And I go, well, first of all, you're putting your eye to sleep. I mean, mm-hmm. your eye is just sitting there in this one light and it's not moving. It's a muscle. And, and so is thermoregulating. And it's a whole, I mean... You you don't nothing sleep you know you never sleep better than when you do ice and heat and just your appetite and just your mood I mean we, I I talk about the ice tub as the mood enhancer I mean I have some buddies that have some mood issues and you know and including myself and you know you can be in a in a piss poor mood I stick you in that ice tub for three or four minutes you get out of that thing you do that a couple of times all of a sudden you just you're like a happy person and I and I, I don't know if the body's just thankful that it's going to survive. Or what? But, you know, it seems to just get your hormone. Uh, it seems to regulate your hormones. It seems like there's a hormone regulation because normally mood is you're dealing with some irregularity in your hormones. And it's almost like I, I told somebody and I have no science. It's just what I feel from it. But it's almost like you go in the ice and the body goes, OK, well, if I'm going to stay here, the only way I'm going to survive is to organize all my stuff. And the first thing I'm going to do is organize my hormones because if I don't organize them, I won't be able to survive in here uh, very long. And so, and and so, and it seems like I mean, it, and I and I imagine there probably is some science that will tell you that. But the fact is, is it, it's effective in your just on your overall psyche, just the way it makes you feel. And it's 
you know, I always say anything that's that bad, you know how you resist it? It's like when you're a kid, you're like you're going to get uh, spinach and you're like, I don't want to eat spinach. But somehow it's good for you, but you just you don't want it. But, you know, it's good. It's, the ice can be like that. The ice is like a big bowl of spinach when you're a little kid. You're like, I don't want to get in that thing. And then when you get in there and mm-hmm. once you've done it, you're like, you know, you get the reward of it. I mean, I, I've lived the last uh, 30 or 40 years of my life sort of in this sort of rejection of cold water. I, I just I grew up in Maine. Yeah. Uh, I, I learned to swim, if you want to call it that, in like 45-degree water. I was a skinny-ass little kid trying to, you know, maintain any kind of um, heat at all. So I hated cold water, and then I almost drowned twice. And then, of course, I became an Ironman uh, triathlete. That makes sense, right? But I quit triathlon because I even hated getting into an 81-degree public pool because it was too cold for me, you know? So I, I thought I was going to spend a year and just kind of get around this and, and, and become used to cold water and walk into the water and not gasp like a little girl and not do all that the people do or not have to dive in, but just walk in slowly. And the more I've gotten into it, the more I not only don't hate it, I look forward to it. It's really, really quite interesting how all it is, is a sensation. It's not good or bad. It's not black or white. It's a, it's a little bit of a, a response the body has, but it's just a sensation. If you can get around that, yeah. Um, the feeling for me is like, I think you just described it, it's, it's almost drug-like. It's euphoric with yeah. this cold water experience. You know, there's been a lot of research and, and looking in the paleo community over the past several years into thermogenesis and spending a lot of time in, in cold water. I'm not into that as much as I'm just into the, the hormesis, the, the short-term effect of it, and then, you know, in and then getting close to being uncomfortable and then getting out or being slightly uncomfortable and getting out. But just to look forward to it, it's it's such a change in my own psyche to have gone from something that I that I lived in fear of, hated, uh, hated you know falling off the board in the in the Pacific here. Now it's like, hey, the water's great, you know, this is fantastic. Yeah. It's it's a it, it's sort of a metaphor for life, I guess. I don't know. The uh, well, it's amazing too. I mean, when you think about the cold in general, too, it, we're trained from childhood to fear it. Right. So because we everything related to the cold is negative. Yep. It's like, OK, it's going to be cold. You're getting a cold. You have a cold. It's all this, you know, cold is always this. OK, put the jacket on. It's getting really cold outside. It's like everything around cold is it, we, we've been trained, you know, psychologically to, to fear it. I think that, you know, there's an addiction you get to it. That you that how it makes you feel when you're done, you just your body goes, okay, I need that. I mm-hmm. give me that, you know. And, and what I one of the things that I've noticed from doing it is that you really, but your tolerance is directly related to your energy level. Like if you do it in the morning first thing, it's mm-hmm. amazing how your how how long you can stay in there comfortably and not have a problem. You doing it at the end of the day when you're tired, mm-hmm. I mean your tolerance is just cut down uh, immensely. So it, it's 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 an interesting to watch how, you know, because sometimes I don't think we give it, you know, uh, Wim calls it the noble force, mm-hmm. right? So cold is the noble force. And we don't give it enough credit sometimes because you don't, oh, yeah, it's cold. But you start going, hey, you can sit in it when you're all like feeling strong in the beginning of the day. And then, you know, a couple later on in the afternoon, you're a little tired, a little cold. You go in there and it's like you start shaking. You want to get out of that thing in 30 seconds. But it's, you know, I, I, I think we've only begun to measure the um, – well, first of all, we're feeling the effects, and that I go, I go by that as your, you know, that those are the the truest signs, right? It's like how it, it's like now when I even when I go back to Hawaii, I'm so addicted to it. Like I, I, I bought an ice machine over there. I have a, I, I borrow my friend's fishing box. He has these big fishing boxes he uses uses on his boats. I fill these things up and just, you know, we sit in there. And then I got friends of mine that like it happens a lot with the girls because the girls don't like the cold water. 
they go. And once they go, it's like all of a sudden they're just in there every time. You're like, I thought you didn't, I thought you were having a problem with that. Right. But it's, it's, it's a sign, you know, it's a sign that everybody has the same reaction to it. And I think there's a meditative aspect too. I notice people that are good at meditation really um, are able to kind of get out of their head in the, in the ice and, and, you know, there's obviously techniques, not moving and breathing through your nose and other things that help you deal with, with the uh, thing. But I, I was saying, you know, I, I just say, this is my house. This is where I live, mm. you know, and you sit in that thing like a polar bear and you just envision that it's heat you're feeling, not cold. And then, you know, there's mind games you play and stuff, but it's just, I think that, that, you know, for me, I just look at that. I, that's going to be an intricate part of the rest of my life. I feel the same way. A um, couple minutes left, Laird. I want to talk about food and your your relationship to food. Uh, what's your way of eating? What's your style of eating these days? Well, I you know, and there's all these different things. I have this, you know, and I, I think it's offbeat because it seems like, you know, people talk about having five meals a day and you don't. But I really think it's important to be hungry. I, I think that there's something to be said about being very hungry when you eat, just like the body's set up to take it. Like you're hungry and you want to eat. I normally... Um, start my day in the mornings with, uh, you know, pretty hydrated. And, uh, I have a chai, I saw a Chinese medicine lady and she said, you know, I need some chai or yin or yang or whatever it was, <laughs> but she said she was having me, um, I, I suck in, I, I suck two raw eggs down in the morning, um, out of the shell. I just, I, and get fertile eggs and, and, uh, you know, I, I do let, I usually do some lemon water with, with, uh, some Himalayan salt and then, and then um, some makuna or some maca or something like that, just as the first thing. And then, and then I, you know, I'm a I'm a coffee guy. I love espresso. So you know, you're gonna get me. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna put like heaping heaps full of butter and and uh, red palm and coconut oil and and that's gonna be. I'm I'm pretty much I'm starting with liquid in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then and then I'm gonna train until lunchtime and then I'm going to eat them and then lunch will probably be the biggest meal of the day that I have like that that first meal when I'm super hungry and then I'll eat again but I usually only have about two meals a day which you know probably isn't enough you know I can feel it on certain days if I train really hard the next day I'll eat a lot sooner you know I'll, I'll do my morning routine and then all of a sudden I'll eat at 10 and then I'll eat at one or two and then I'll I'll eat it at, at lunch but you know I feel like sometimes I feel because I'm such an excessive eater in general, like in the, you know, I, I just, I can eat, I can eat a lot. And I always have, and I'll go to Argentina and, you know, all the cooks will come out of the kitchen. Like, who's this guy eating half a cow, you know? And, but it's, 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 I grew up that way. And for me, I, I'm, I'm, I kind of go back and forth between being really strict and then, but also uh, never say never because you'll eat never cake and they're usually really big and you have to eat the whole thing. So I'm like the never, I don't want to say never, but you know, I'm not, I'm eating plants and animals, you know, I'm eating, I'm eating fruits and vegetables and, you know, I like high water content stuff in general. Sometimes I know it's, but again, it's about the quality. If, if I know if it's from my friend's yard or from my yard, I'll eat a lot more of it. And I'm, I have a tendency to, you know, and I feel like you, you have to be aware of, of superfoods. You need to be aware of high nutrient dense foods because our food just doesn't have enough nutrients anymore. Our normal vegetables that we get and all this stuff, just, you know, the density is weak. And so you, uh, you need to, you need to get the, you know, you need to get this, this other, these other stuff from the, you know, these other minerals and stuff from other foods, but a, a minimal processing, you know, minimal, minimal processed stuff, like, little to no processing. I mean, I have a bunch of women in my house, so it's a little different story. I kind of have to duck and weave around their, around their thing. But, 
you know, it, it's, it's, I mean, I really love turmeric. I'm a turmeric nut. Um, I got hooked to turmeric for a while. My friend has a turmeric farm. So I juice turmeric and drink big glasses of that stuff. I love something that just instinctually tells me that I want that stuff. And I drink it straight with, you know, with pretty, pretty wicked, wicked uh, doses of it with, with no kind of indigestion or any kind of weird effect. So that's kind of what I go by too. It's like, right. I have a tendency to not like peppers and that kind of stuff. I don't like hot, but, but I don't mind rat, radish, like horseradish, that kind of stuff. So I've, I've seen like I've gone le- more away from red meats as much lately and gone more to more to fish, more fish and stuff in my diet even though there's becoming, you know, less and less of that stuff available. And I almost get a guilt complex when you think about, you know, 90% of the fish in the ocean have been eaten. Um, but the, uh, but, you know, it, I, you know, I go to Alaska and I get good wild protein. So I love that. I love, you know, wild, you know, whether it's moose or elk or real, I mean, you just know when you're eating real game, when you're eating real, real food that has, that has power, you can yeah. just feel like, you know, that, that there's a lot of benefits from power food and you know, when you're eating it, you know, how it makes you feel, you know what it does. And you know, when you're eating stuff that just is dead. So it sounds like b- between your exercise strategy and your philosophy and your eating strategy, um, it really is based on just a good, strong, intuitive sense of what you need to get you to the next phase of life. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because I don't want to read you know, I don't like I have friends that are super disciplined eaters that are, but but I look at it and I go, well, the stress it causes you, the stress it takes to do that is not worth the rewards of what they're doing. At the end, I look at the stress, I go, the stress is you might as well just eat them, you know, a Big Mac and think it's good for you. And you'll probably be doing a lot right. better than worrying about every little detail and all these things. And I mean, you know, the, I think the most complex part is really getting enough hydration. When you look at the amount of hydration you need, that seems to be the real issue of, of us getting the good enough water and enough of it on a regular basis. That seems to be the real, you know, one of our real kind of complex issues. But but yeah, I just go, you know, hey, you feel it, you know, you you instinctually I mean, you, you've been, we've been around, this organism has been around a long time. If your instincts aren't, you know, aren't telling you the right thing, then you better go practice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Talk a little bit about barefoot and minimalist shoes and what's your approach to that? Well, you know, again, another theory, you know, they said 7,400 nerve endings in the bottom of your feet. Nerve endings are electronical, electric wiring. That's your electrical system. There is charged with an electrical charge. Happens to coincidentally be the same one as your immune system. Uh, uh, walking around the ground, maybe you absorb that energy through your feet would make sense to me. Mm-hmm. seems like math also too, just being in touch with the earth, being in touch with the surfaces, textures with your feet, um, you know, walking on gravel, walking on, on, on stuff and feeling it with your feet. There's a certain, uh, again, it feels right. It feels, it feels right, uh, to do that. And, you know, I'm, my environments, I'm barefoot a lot. I barefoot on my, on the surfboard. Um, I want a, a, you know, a foot more like a hand. I probably have, that's an area that I can actually give more, you know, the problem with your feet is they're the furthest thing away from your brain. So you give them the least amount of attention, but they, they, they need some, you know, they, they, they need some love and, uh, you know, and, and, but barefoot and, and that whole, uh, just the barefoot philosophy and that whole Thing. There's a there's a lot to be said about the way your posture is and the way you walk and the way you stand and 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 the way you move. I'm I'm spending more and more time barefoot and especially now. Normally I just wear slippers, with, which is a which is a minimal approach to to footwear because my feet are extremely hot and 
you know, I, if I could wear socks, if I put shoes and socks on, I could literally be somewhere in the snow and have shorts and a t-shirt and I'll overheat because the heat comes out of my feet. So, you know, for me, I, it's all about getting rid of shoes, but the guy was saying, we were talking about how bad slippers are for you because the way you, the way you walk when you wear slippers. And, and so that just was like, well, I thought I was wearing no shoes. I just means I don't get any shoes. <laughs> Yeah, the only problem with that is you're not going to get served at the restaurants you want to eat yeah, at in Malibu. But, but you know what? I, I can only go to the ones where they know me. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we should petition Nate to allow uh, bare feet and coogies, right? Yeah, well, if you let dogs in with little uh, service outfits, then we yeah. should at least be able to wear box, you know, go barefoot. Yeah, there should be a little uh, water box out front. You, you know, clean yeah. your feet off and step in. I like that. Um, final question, how much sleep do you get? Minimum eight. Yeah. Don't even talk to me if I can't get eight. Bingo. Yeah. My, you're going to ruin my world if you if you – if you start cutting into my eight, my eight zone, I mean, I can go, I can get away with none and handle it, but it'll, it, you know, it's going to take me a few days to recover, maybe nine, you know, maybe 10, but I, I'm, you know, uh, again, it's all about, you know, where they say every hour before midnight's worth two. Yeah. So, you know, if, if, if I'm going to bed, if, you know, ideal time for me to sleep eight thirty. you know, if I go to, if I'm sleeping and I'm out at nine, then that's cool. I wake up five 30, I'm, you know, eight and a half, nine hours for Good. sure. I'm, I'm, that's my, that's Good. my zone. You travel a lot. How do you handle jet lag then? Jet lag, a lot of hydration. That's one of the keys. And, and, and it's weird because sometimes I think eating is a it handle, really helps you with jet lag. And I don't know why. Maybe it's that your body's actually doing a process. But if I, if I can eat consistently as I fly and I travel, helps a lot. Good. But hydration is part of that. And then, uh, I mean, and I always nose breathe on the planes. Mm. Nose breathing on the planes just because – you know, you, you, uh, filtration system of your sinuses, um, better way to be on the plane. If you actually, if you nose breathe, you probably won't even get, you know, you don't right in that germ tube, you know, you breathe in all everybody else's exhale. And I mean, and, and all that stagnant air, I'll, I'll take nose breathing, good something to concentrate on and reduce your, you know, your intake. No, it's good. It, it I, I like the, you know, that's a conscious, mindful breathing, you know, I like it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Plus, they say you absorb more oxygen when you breathe through your nose because your sinuses emit a gas called the nitrogen oxide, which helps your lungs absorb oxygen. It's like right. you right. 10%, 10%, something more oxygen yeah. through your nose. Nice. So I'm going to remember that next time. I just got uh, finished with a 12 hour flight from Zurich to, to Los Angeles and I forgot to nose, nose breathe. So I'll try that next oh, yeah. time. Yeah, you will. It'll give you something <laughs> to focus on. Yeah, exactly. But sometimes, sometimes that travel, certain directions get you, but yeah. other ones. Yeah, no, I was, uh, always have a tougher time going east for me. Yeah. Um, but um, I've heard people having, some people say it's just, it's easier to come home. If you know you're going yeah. home, it doesn't know, it doesn't matter which direction you're traveling. I thought that I was. Believe a, that. Yeah. I believe, I think there's a psychology behind that. Yeah. That once your body comes, you know, I was in, a, I was deep in Russia one time and, and uh, a long way from home. And by the time I got back home, I slept three days when I got back. Wow. It was just like the body just lets the immune, you know, lets the, lets the defenses down. And, but. Sure. So we're going to wrap up here in a second. I wanted to be sure to um, give you some time to talk about anything you got going on that you want people to know about. I mean, you, geez, you got like, you've got the golf board, you got the surfboard, you got the serrator, the new, the yeah. new design board, you got the total wave. Uh, like I said, when, busiest man in Malibu. Yeah, well, fitness, I, you know, that seems to be one of my latest things. But, we, you know, that golf board's blowing up right now. And uh, we're getting incredible response uh, with the golf board. The, I, I have that heart. You know, I have a stand-up paddle line. And then I'm in the process of uh, doing an apparel project. So I have an apparel, a separate apparel project. 
Um, I'm actually working on a, uh, a superfoods um, additive to drinks. Mm-hmm. So that's something you can put in hot cocoa, tea, coffee, whatever. But, you know, this project, I have a, 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 an obstacle uh, course that I'm working on um, as well. Force of Nature, we're in the process of doing that. I have another, I'm working on this pool, uh, this pool training um, system. I mean, I got a couple other ones that are in the incubator that aren't coming out yet, but you know, I, I mean, for me, I think I like this stuff. This is, this is part of, you know, that's part of the evolution. I think, and, and I'm, you know, I like the creative aspect. I think, you know, again, I believe life is a formulaic process. And if you implement the formula for any type of success, you know, you look at what the formula is, the willingness to fail, perseverance and the endurance to, to keep pursuing. Um, and, you know, and, and then, of course, the creative aspect of having an idea and then marching it. And then now it's, you know, now it's there's an industry and there's magazines and there's companies. And, and so and I, I think I enjoyed that part the most. I think, you know, I think that the, that that's the fun part, that creative. And, and so, you know, I'm working on this fitness. I have a whole pool fitness program that I've been working on. Gabby has her high X program that she's launching. Um, and then, uh, you should, in fact, you should come experience this, the pool thing that we got going on. It's, I mean, it's worthy of, of, uh, you know, I had, the, I had the supple leopard in there, Kelly star. Yeah. He, he, he loved that. He loved it. He really appreciated what it, what it brought, you know, it's just another facet. I just think again, another thing, another spoke on the wheel, you know? Sure. Sure. No, um, I, I keep planning to head over there. It's uh, eight o'clock in the morning though. It's a little rich in my blood though. Right. Yeah, I know. That's good. So, That's good. I, film, I got another film project too. We have a film project about foiling, about foil surfing. Yep. So that's going to be one that I'm working on the next year. We'll see. That's going to be a documentary. Um, and we're not sure what we're calling it yet, but about foiling and, and, and the big waves and what we can do with the foil boards, which, you know, the yeah. hydrofoil boards that we're, that we're riding. And yeah, yeah. I just, it's just, it, you know, I think as long as you're, you know, as long as you're open, I think that life just will keep sending stuff to you. And as soon as you, you know, close the cabinet, then it's nothing will get in there. No, I'm sitting here feeling sorry for you. You got nothing to do, Laird. That's, uh, we got we can maybe have a, a contest to figure out something new for Laird to do. Well, I just, hey, I just built a backboard for the girls to play tennis again. So you know, I still have the domestics. That's good. That's good. That's great. Really very kind of you, generous of you to spend some time with us today. I think our readers, audience got a lot from it. Uh, appreciate all of the wisdom that you've had, not just today, but over the last couple of decades. You know, always been a big fan. Glad to call you a friend. Thanks for joining us today, Laird. I appreciate it. You have a good one. Aloha. In a supermarket full of mayo options, how do you know which one to pick? Well, there's an easy answer. The one that tastes good and is good for you. But here's the problem. Almost all store-bought mayonnaise contains industrial seed oils or eggs raised from hens treated with added hormones and antibiotics. Not exactly the best recipe for good health. Luckily, there's a new mayo creating a ton of buzz. It's called Primal Kitchen Mayo and contains only the finest superfood ingredients, including all-natural avocado oil and organic cage-free eggs. So no more trading good health for great taste. Go to primalblueprint.com today and pick up a three-pack. As an added bonus while supplies last, enter the code FREEBOOK at checkout to receive a free copy of Mark Sisson's Healthy Sauces, Dressings, and Toppings Cookbook with any three-pack mayo order.